Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh from the podcast team at Qalam. We wanted to wish you a very blessed Ramadan. This month you can expect daily uploads that will include reflections, khatiras and khutbas all from our new campus Alhamdulillah. If you benefit from this content, please give generously at supportqalam.com. 100% of your donations goes towards the means of providing accessible Islamic knowledge to people around the world. Jazakumullah khairan for listening. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihin ladhin astafa. Khususan ala Sayyidi Rusuli wa Khatami al-Anbiya. Wa ala alihi al-Askiya wa ashabihi al-Atqiya. Amma ba'd. In our previous class, we spoke of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ghani of our ibadah. And what that means is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in no need of our worship. So now this raises a very easy question that's asked. Then what perspective should I have when I'm worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What should I be thinking of when I'm worshipping Allah? For this we can turn to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was once asked why he prayed. And he gave a phenomenal answer. Ummul Mu'mineen Aisha radiallahu anha narrates that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would pray lengthy night prayers. And it would be until the point that his feet would swell. Hatta tawarramat qadamahu. So she asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, O Messenger of Allah, why do you do this? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already forgiven all of your sins. And to respond to that, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, أَفَلَا أَكُونَ عَبْدًا شَكُورًا Shall I not be a thankful servant? That when a person is worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what's their perspective, what are they thinking of? They're thinking of being grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, gratitude for everything in life. Family, health, wealth, friends, belief, community, safety. The reality is that if a person begins to think of the favors of Allah, you can never truly count them. How many of us come from backgrounds that just two, three generations ago, our parents didn't have any wealth at all? They had nothing. If someone were to tell our grandparents or great-grandparents that a day will come that your grandchild will own multiple vehicles, they wouldn't believe it. Because they were so far from wealth. And today we are kings in our world, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. What isn't there to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for? One of the greatest lessons in the development of a person's spiritual growth is shukr. And inshallah, this lesson of gratitude and shukr is something we will address in its own day later on. But for today, I wanted to share a hadith with you. The Prophet ﷺ tells us that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves a servant, Nada Jibreel, he calls out to Jibreel alayhi salam. And he says to him, Inni uhibbu fulanan fa'ahibbahu. I love so and so person, so now you will love that person too. Jibreel alayhi salam then announces that to the angels of the heavens. And all of the malaika and everyone in the heavens loves that person because this one person has loved Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are people who live in this world who are known by a lot of people, but those people that a lot of people 
don't really matter in the sight of Allah, so in reality that recognition means nothing. But then there are other people who are not known in this world. The Prophet ﷺ talked about these people. Al-Atqiyya, Al-Akhfiyya. These are hidden people. Their goal isn't to gain or amass a grand following in the world. Their goal is to build a relationship with Allah, even if that means to walk out of this dunya alone. But they are majhulun fil ard, ma'rufun fil sama. Unknown to the people of the world, but very well known by those in the heavens. When the Prophet ﷺ went for the night of Mi'raj and he knocked on the doors, the Malaika knew who he was. Because even though in the world he was facing rejection at that moment, this is pre-migration, in the heavens his acceptance was well known. On the Day of Judgment, the Prophet ﷺ tells us that I will approach the gates of Jannah and I will knock on the door. And it will be said, who is it? And I will say, I am Muhammad. And the gatekeeper of Jannah will say, I was instructed by Allah to not open this door for anyone before you. Now that you have arrived, the gates of Jannah will be opened. And after Rasulullah ﷺ, others will be permitted to follow the Prophet ﷺ. Now as we discuss this topic, one fundamental point that is important to understand and in reality, this is a point that sets Muslims apart from non-Muslims. Specifically, theists, people believe in God, it sets them apart from others. And what is that? It is the fact that the human being is murakkab and not basit. The human being is composed of multiple components. The atheists scientifically, overly scientifically inclined, someone who views science as a god, as a faith, as a religion of its own, they view the reality of the human being to be nothing more than blood, muscles, and bones, tissues and cells. That there is only the physical part of the human being and that's it. We as Muslims believe that in addition to that physical part of the human being, there is a ruh that belongs to every insan. There is a soul that exists in every body. That soul resides in the heart of the human being. This soul was created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The soul is a very unique creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran says that it is from the matters of Allah and your knowledge of it is not but little. The soul is a creation that was not preceded by another creation. It is an original creation of its own. And therefore, the ulama of theology, kalam and aqidah, they refer to this form of creation as taqween, as opposed to takhliq, which is like the human body, that it is created from another. So for example, the Quran tells us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the human being from soil. The human being's creation was preceded by another creation, and that creation was adopted for the creation of the human being. So therefore, the human body and the human physical reality is very much inclined to things that are soil made in the material world. As for the ruh was only created by Allah and knows nothing other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Its desire is to just be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To be obedient to Allah, to love Allah. This is why when a person dies, we immediately say, Inna lillahu wa inna ilayhi raji'un because that person's soul leaves their body. And the Prophet tells us, the eyes follow that body as the soul leaves and heads to the heavens. As for the body itself, it is lowered into the ground, and for that we say, مِنْهَا خَلَقْنَاكُمْ وَفِيهَا نُعِيدُكُمْ 
that you were created from this and you are returned to this. Because they say in Arabi, Kullu shay'in yarji'u ila aslihi. That everything comes back to its, its origin. It comes back to where it started. The soul seeks to unite with its creator while the body is lowered down into the earth and disintegrates into the very same material that it was created from. This ruh of the insan cannot be corrupted. It can never be corrupted. Remember this. Because Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said this in one hadith. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, فِطْرَةَ اللَّهِ الَّتِي فَطَرَ النَّاسَ عَلَيْهَا And then, لَا تَبَدِيلَ لِخَلْقِ اللَّهِ It cannot be changed. The fitrah of the human being, the natural disposition, the inclination of the ruh is only one and that's to be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, loyal to Allah. What changes in the human being are the characteristics of the human being, something that we'll address shortly. But the essence of every human being is to yearn for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You may ask the question, but if the heart, if the soul of the human being only yearns for Allah, then how are people so easily corrupted? Well, this is because, as I was mentioning earlier, the human being is composed of multiple components, and all of these components are mentioned in the Quran. There is the ruh of the insan, the soul of the human being. And then that soul lies within a casing, a covering called the qalb, the heart of the human being. Here we're not necessarily interested in the physical heart, rather we're speaking of a spiritual sense, this vessel that the heart is, that carries the soul in it. And outside of this heart, there is a third force that is constantly at tug of war within the human being, and that is the nafs. If these three things, you understand them, you now understand the anatomy of the human spirituality, of how to actually grow. You have the ruh, which wants to connect the insan to Allah. It lies within a vessel, a container called the qalb. If that qalb, if that heart is pure, the impact of the ruh penetrates and affects the human being, and the human being only desires to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But on the other hand, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also created this thing called the nafs, the lower self of the human being. And this is, the where, this is where shaitan is constantly doing waswasa, and he's constantly whispering to the human being, and trying to get him to do evil and bad things. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells us, as narrated by Imam Tirmidhi rahmatullahi alayhi, إِنَّ الْعَبْدَ إِذَا أَخْطَأَ خَطِيئَةً نُكِتَتْ فِي قَلْبِهِ نُكْتَةٌ That when a human being commits a sin, a dark dot appears on the heart. فَإِذَا هُوَ نَزَعَ وَاسْتَغْفَرَ وَتَابَ سُقِلَ قَلْبُهُ But when he withdraws from the sin, he repents to Allah and is remorseful, that heart is then polished. That dark, go, that dark dot goes away, giving the ruh a chance to once again shine. وَإِنْ عَادَ زِيدَ فِيهَا حَتَّى تَعْلُوَ قَلْبَهُ وَهُوَ الرَّانَ الَّذِي ذَكَرَ اللَّهَ تَعَالَى كَلَّا بَلْ رَانَ عَلَى قُلُوبِهِمْ مَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ But then what happens is as the person continues to sin, there is darkness that covers the heart and it covers it further and further and further until a point comes where the heart is caked in darkness and the ruh's light is now dimmed. And the only thing that is now dictating what you should do and should not do your decisions in life are unfortunately your temptations, your nafs. This is why Rasulullah told us that in the body there is a lump, there is a morsel 
that if it is sound, everything is sound, and if it is corrupt, everything is corrupt. It is the heart. The journey of ours is to weaken this nafs. And when we weaken the nafs, its influence on the heart will also decrease, therefore allowing our ruh to grow. Allowing the ruh to grow involves nourishing it. You nourish the ruh, the soul of the human being, through dhikr of Allah, through tilawah of Quran, through istighfar, through tawbah. And how do you weaken this nafs? You do it by fasting, by opposing it, by not giving it its temptations. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was sending Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu to Yemen, he said to him, Ya Mu'adh, iyaka wa tana'um, fa inna ibad Allah laysu bil mutana'imin. Don't get into too much luxury, Mu'adh, when you go to Yemen. Yemen, big city. Medina is still small. When you go to the big city, iyaka wa tana'um. Don't engage with too much luxury. فَإِنَّ عِبَادَ اللَّهِ لَيْسُ بِالْمُتَنَاعِمِينَ Because true servants of Allah don't build their jannahs in the world. They walk towards the true jannah, which is the hereafter. That's where their focus is, and that's what drives them every day. Understanding this is the foundation to everything that follows. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an, إِلَّا مَنْ أَتَ اللَّهَ بِقَلْبٍ سَلِيمٍ The one that brings that pure heart is the one that will be successful, because a pure heart means that the a pure heart means that the ruh is now active and doing its effect on the human being similarly the prophet ﷺ would make a dua to allah and i'm going to leave you with this dua i want you to try to remember it it's a beautiful dua where the prophet ﷺ is asking allah to guide his heart allahumma ya musarrif al-qulub allahumma ya muqallib al-qulub thabbit qalbi Oh Allah, turner and changer of the hearts. They call the heart qalb because it turns very easily. And qalb, taqlib, as you know in Arabic, means to flip something, to turn something. Allahumma ya muqallib al-qulub, thabbit qalbi ala deenik. Or turner of hearts, ya Allah, make mind firm on the deen. Wa ya musarrif al-qulub, and all the one who changes hearts, sarrif qalbi ila ta'atik. Change my heart, to your obedience. On the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not look at our faces or our wealth. If a person came to Allah and presented all the wealth they had to Allah to be ransomed from punishment, Allah wouldn't accept a nickel, dime, or penny of it because it has no value in the sight of Allah. What Allah will look for on the day of judgment is your heart. What did you do with it? Did you face your nafs? Did you fight against your nafs? There is no such thing as defeating the nafs, by the way. This is a side point, it's a technical point, but you must remember it. At best, you can tame the nafs and control it. That's why the Quran uses language, nafsul mutma'inna, which is now a nafs that is in line with the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You cannot erase the nafs, that's not possible. Your job is to continue to struggle against yourself and not give in to your temptations and take this lower self of the human being that is constantly inviting to rebellion and bring it to the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq and allow us to use Ramadan and the fasting of Ramadan to control our nafs. And allow us to use Ramadan, use Ramadan, the fast, the tilawa, the taraweeh to empower our ruh. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala sallam Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa